0: Welcome to the XTERRA Podcast. I'm Tom Patton. The XTERRA mission is to explore and discuss the business of space and its effect on the national and global economy as well as life on Earth. How does what happens in space affect your life every day? That's what we're exploring on the XTERRA website as well as on this podcast. Our guest today is Grant Blaisdell, co-founder of the blockchain analytics and AML company CoinFirm and Copernic Space, the marketplace for digital space assets. Grant, thank you for joining us on the program today.
1: Thanks for having me. Glad to be here.
0: Let's talk a bit both about CoinFirm and Copernic Space. If you wouldn't mind, give me a brief overview of both of those companies and how they complement each other.
1: Uh. Well, CoinFirm and Comparative Space, as far as conception, were, were quite close to each other as far as an idea. CoinFirm, uh, which uh, I'm a co-founder of and the founding CMO of, um, was built on a vision of really two of our original co-founders, uh, both Pavels, which looked into how the crypto and blockchain asset market was going to develop What was going to be the biggest roadblock? How are we going to solve that roadblock? And we viewed those roadblocks or the largest one that was going to happen was going to be regulatory focused more specifically around anti-money laundering. And on the flip side of that, of building the bridge across that roadblock is that if you know how to apply um, certain algorithms, certain analytics capabilities to blockchain or cryptocurrency transactions, you can actually revolutionize how anti-money laundering uh, has been done in the financial system up to this point. So in the traditional system, it's extremely inefficient. Uh, there's high overhead. It's around 2% effectiveness. Uh, we kind of flip that and turn that into you know, a near automated utility um that's in the 90 percentiles of effectiveness right so our mission was to really build that bridge between the crypto and blockchain asset market and the traditional mass market Um, and we approached it right away off you know an approach we call blockchain agnosticism so that means the technical capability to integrate and service any type of blockchain protocol or asset really quickly Um, so this has allowed us within a few years uh, this combination to become a global leader in this uh, in this space and continuously prove over time, you know, the validity of of our vision, which when we were coming out um, wasn't as clear as it is now, right? And there is a certain parallel with that actually um, with Copernic Space. So, Copernic Space is the parallel with that is from the blockchain element right? Um, Copernic space itself as a project, its history, its seed, um, was planted three generations ago by my grandfather actually, who was an aerospace professor pretty much down the street from me uh, here in Warsaw at the Military Academy um, in Poland. And he was, you know, for that uh, era and place, a quite a progressive, capitalistic-minded guy, you know, stuck behind that circumstance. And he had this thing of, okay, well, you know, as as a lot of people are starting to know, (coughs) there's a massive element of intellectual capital, um, entrepreneurial capital that exists within within Poland, Central Europe, former, you know, Soviet bloc. Right. But Poland is specific in this case. And so he always had this thing of, well, you know, how big of a shame it is for the world, not just here um, that, you know, the talent couldn't access there. They didn't have easy access here. Um, and that kind of planted the seed. My mother actually kind of carried that and carried the torch, um, and has done elements around the space economy for, for years. And you'll notice I, I use the term space economy and space industry differently throughout this conversation. Um, And, you know, I picked that up along with her over the years and and kind of loosely have been involved in a lot of stuff. And it got to a point throughout our activities and and my past experiences, which we'll we'll get into as well, where we noticed a massive market need um, and something that will really open up, as we like to say, unlock um, the true potential of the space economy and its benefits onto the world. Uh, And obviously also benefit the entities that are participating in the space industry now or are going to participate in the space industry soon. So we can, of course, go more in on a granular level uh, with that later.
0: I want to back up just a little bit, though, because blockchain is one of those things that has kind of cropped up over the past few years, years, and maybe not everybody understands what the blockchain is. So can you explain what blockchain does a little bit?
1: Yeah, yeah. you know that's a really hard question. It's actually one of my least favorite questions to answer. <laughs> Sorry case, about that. Like, no, no, it's okay. It's 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 just because it's so broad and expansive. Right. There's there's so many so much potential there and so many specifics. Because it's almost like, you know, in '95 or something, asking someone, well, you know, what is the internet, right? How would mm-hmm. you really encompass what that is? And it kind of has similarities to that aspect. Um, to me, uh, if I were to really take it down a grand level like the internet to me uh revolutionized the element of um how we access data how we access content and share it right Mm -hmm. blockchain's little bit like that, but it's doing more in the back and the foundational elements of the system. So at its core, really what it is, it's a distributed uh, database in a certain sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you take a look at Bitcoin, which is the genesis of all this technology, uh, Bitcoin's blockchain is a system that registers and blocks all the transactions that have ever happened in its history, where it's going and certain characteristics of that transaction. What it allows is for, let's say, this decentralized sense of computing. So for example, Mm -hmm. Bitcoin's blockchain is the most powerful uh, network in the world. You can take all the supercomputers in the world, put them together and try to hack it, and you can't do that. Why? Because it's distributed that across a network of computers that are all verifying that information at the same time. So the information's immutable, it's trusted. I say the internet revolutionized, you know, the element of our user interface. This is revolutionizing trust between entities, mm-hmm. and that's the reason why, for example, with Bitcoin, you can have someone that uh, is sending a billion dollars to someone at the end of the other end of the world, and that's peer-to-peer. It's controlled. I mean, it's it's absolutely um, it's absolutely clear and put into the blockchain, but nobody can block it. Okay. Right? No middlemen or third parties are necessary. Right, and what, what that revolutionizes in the sense, and you can see it in the financial markets, is people are able to access assets, transfer them, monetize them over time in ways that have never been able possible. And if you look at it financially, that's one thing, but I look at it in the sense of data, products, and in the sense of Copernic space, satellite data, imagery, etc. cetera. Um, to me, uh, blockchain represents a certain clarification from a lot of the systems that exist today. Our systems and industries are filled with generally middlemen, third parties that serve the purpose mainly of trust and transferring and reassuring data that's moving along some sort of chain. Uh, blockchain totally eliminates that sort of process. And you know, with comparing spaces we get on the discussion, I'm gonna show Uh, how we can help turn processes that take months in some cases Mm -hmm. and turn them into minutes or hours or, or days if necessary.
0: You started out Grant in the music and digital media business. How did you get involved in applying blockchain technology to space commerce?
1: Yeah, it comes back to kind of what I was talking about in a sense. So um, I, I view myself in a lot of ways as a creator and it's very important, you know, for a creator to understand how his intellectual property is being distributed, monetized, and he's being rewarded, Mm -hmm. right? And what are the systems that are doing that and how are they assuring me that what I'm getting or what I'm generating is being protected and I'm being monetized properly. Um, So I had some startups uh, in the early mobile age uh, around that and did some projects with some big uh, studios at the time in, Mm -hmm. in LA, I'm originally from California. And I feel like people around this technology have their little aha moments um, when they realize its potential. And mine was, well, we have all these platforms and all these third, controlling third-party middlemen that once again are there really for trust or for critical mass in the sense of media, is that there's people there. But if you ask them, you know, you can name the big digital media companies of the time, whether it's in music or, or it's in online video media, and you can say, okay, what sort of system do you have where transparently, immutably, I can tell that this is how it was generated and this is how much I should get? Mm-hmm. Or am I just trusting you? And I'm not even putting ill will in, into anything. I'm just saying that system doesn't exist. So I had this moment where I realized, okay, you can create a new model that incentivizes incentivizes, let's say, buyers, users, whatever medium you're in, to directly engage and transact and transfer value with the creators, holders of IP, holders of satellite data, whatever that product may be, Mm -hmm. right? And uh, you can stretch this across a lot of spectrums. You know, you saw this in the ICO boom in cryptocurrency where little projects, you know, a lot of them were garbage and horrible, but they were creating tokens, putting them out there in the public. And, you know, billions upon billions were raised this way. You know, a a certain financial revolution happened uh, under most people's eyes, right? Right. And so what what you're seeing happen with the digitization and web 2.0, When it comes to music and and video, you know, we're looking at stuff through Netflix now, etc. That's going to happen again in a different sense uh, related towards blockchain tech, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But the space industry itself, for example, it's barely entered that web 2.0. Right. Right. So I actually think that there's going to be an interesting collision around space of Web 2.0 and what blockchain technically is counted as, which is Web
0: 3.0. When you talk so about that's
1: how I got into it originally, yeah, yeah. is I, I found it as a solution for digital media.
0: When you talk about digital assets in space, what do you mean by that?
1: Um So we view digital space assets as mainly satellite data imagery, certain elements of intellectual property and software. Mm -hmm. Right now, that's what we view it as. As the space economy develops, uh, that will expand. Why we call digital space assets? These are things that are already innately digitized, digital, or can be very easily put into that place So for example, we do not count machine parts as digital space assets. We count a piece of satellite data as digital space asset. So I can take a digital space asset, uh, such as satellite data, and I can sell that same set an unlimited amount of times, right? Mm -hmm. So it's more of looking at the digital end of the space industry, and that's mainly downstream. Right. Right. But as we move along with progress of of this element, so, for example, um, asteroid mining. Right. So we have a certain partner of ours that is focused around uh, gold, uh, gold futures from asteroid mining. Okay. Right. These are innately digital assets in its in its core. Um, So. We're going to be applying different types of of applications around that. But in the beginning, we're specifically focused around around downstream digital space assets.
0: So then do you see Copernic Space as kind of a clearinghouse or maybe a brokerage for informational space assets?
1: (laughs) We view it as a marketplace. Um, We've played around with the certain terms uh, Mm -hmm. around it. Um, There's actually two elements to the platform. One is the marketplace and one is the smart fund. The smart fund will go more towards the regulatory aspects uh, around securities as the smart fund will eventually allow the public to help finance space projects. But we don't view ourselves as a brokerage really if I'm going to like simplify it, what eBay brought to retail we're kind of mm-hmm. bringing into the space industry in the sense of we're going to bring a e-commerce type of experience that's very easy to use and takes it from the space industry to the space economy. So we're very much focused on bringing uh, new types of buyers or really scaling up uh, smaller buyers that aren't in the industry, uh, but can apply and benefit from these digital space assets like agriculture companies, hedge funds, financial elements that like using satellite or weather data. Uh, The applications are really, when you get down to it are quite limitless. So our problem, our, our thing we're really focused on in the beginning is actually limiting uh, some of our use cases and how we want to apply it.
0: Are you talking about individuals investing in these companies, almost like a, a crowdfunding kind of scenario? Yeah.
1: Or? Yeah. So because of my experience around the crypto and blockchain space and I've ran a token sale myself, I have regulatory background, you know, experience around this. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Once again, back to that little revolution that happened under most people's, you know, eyes. Um, it was proven that the general public around the world uh, is very thirsty to to financially contribute and get involved in high-tech, progressive, startup-like ventures, let alone space, which the space industry has never really allowed itself to be opened up like that. Mm -hmm. And it's, to be honest, space is the most ubiquitously liked and kind of passionate thing. You see more people in NASA shirts now than Nike at this point. So, (laughs) um, you know, we, we understand, and that's, you know, that's our bigger, long-term vision and 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 picture is this unlocking and democratization element which gets thrown around quite a bit in the space industry i've seen recently but mm-hmm. i don't think it gets thrown around in the proper sense
0: you're listening to the Xterra podcast i'm tom Patton, and we're talking with grant blaisdell co-founder of the blockchain analytics and aml company Coinfirm, and copernic space the marketplace for digital space assets grant There was an article posted by Copernic Space on their website in which you talk about the democratizing of space, and you just mentioned that briefly a few moments ago, and the benefits of that process. What, at a granular level, does that mean about democratizing space?
1: Uh, To us, it means that the average company or individual can somehow engage or long-term benefit from the space economy. Mm -hmm. So, um, I kind of like this example. There was a company, uh, relatively well-known, pretty big, well-known company in the space industry, um, where they released some content talking about democratizing, right? And it was there was something around it with, well, you know, now it used to be only NASA was shooting up satellites and now, you know, there's a bunch of companies doing it. Right. Um, And, you know, my viewpoint towards that was that totally misses the point of, of democratization. Right. So that's a Mm -hmm. very, so a bunch of other millionaires or billionaires came together, funded some stuff and shot some satellites that cost millions and millions of dollars. So, My thing to that is I can't afford to own a satellite or shoot it up, but I could afford to own one one thousandth of a satellite. Right. So when I was talking about the smart fund, uh, the marketplace will provide that in a commercial level for companies Uh, SMEs and maybe some individuals, but mainly, mainly uh, corporates, companies, SMEs to acquire satellite data imagery that they can benefit from or apply, NGOs, lots of different applications that. That's a sense of democratization. Mm -hmm. But then there's the other sense around, for example, the smart fund, which will allow uh, the public to finance, whether that be as a security token, right? Mm -hmm. We have three token classes that we're going to release around that. At first, we're only releasing it with one, which is actually called, we call it Kudos for now, Mm -hmm. um, which is, think of it as uh, charity with some perks. So it's more like a GoFundMe sort of model, Mm -hmm. uh, except it's tokenized. So that's something that, you know, long-term crazy dream is, for example, if NASA would have a budget shortfall for a certain project, they could allow the Amer- open it up to the American public to help yeah. finance it. You know, for big for people who put in a certain amount, they could get a special kind of token that you know they could go to Cape Canaveral and see a launch. Right? I'm just kind of dreaming a bit. Sure. But if you take that down into the more of the private R and D uh, charitable run organizations or, or entities. Um, and put that on a global or a national scale, you can see the potential of that. Um, so we start off with that because, you know, that's that's something we can do right away. And later on, we get into utility and security. So utility is a token that represents some sort of thing that you can use it with. So in the case would be, you know, you buy these utility tokens, and then you can use these tokens for access to certain data later. Okay. Right? And securities is obviously more of in the traditional investment field. Um, so, yeah, we really want to open it up to the global world to grow into what we think is going to be a brand new kind of wealth generation. Um you know, a, a really a generational opportunity when it comes to well generation, which is which is going to be this new space economy, and not to lock it into you know a very small segment of of society.
0: How does that contrast with a venture capital company that is wanting to invest in in space companies? Because I've I've heard some people say that businesses or venture capitalists who are not directly involved in space should actually not invest in those things. Now you're saying, you're saying open it up to the general public. There's a, a really stark contrast there.
1: Yeah. Uh, honest opinion. Um, venture, Venture investors, venture capital, Wall Street uh industry incumbents lawyers etc very much benefit off selling you the fact that it is super complicated and they know best and they know what's coming um and i think we're being proven over and over again that a good percentage of that is smoke and mirrors Mm -hmm. and is a business model um so i i have a different background like i said i'm a creator i'm an entrepreneur um You know, we saw what happened on the Wall Street market the other week. Mm -hmm. Uh, I brought up, you know, the ICOs element and how actually already a new generation of, of wealth was generated through blockchain assets and cryptocurrencies already. Right. right, Once again, it's it's a small penetration as far as a percentage of, of people in the world still, but it's already there and it's billions upon billions upon billions upon billions that's been generated through. Right. It. Um, you know, you saw the news yesterday or that, you know, Tesla and Elon bought $1.5 billion in Bitcoin or mm-hmm. just holding on to it. Right. And they're not the only ones that's happening with that's happening with some of the oldest financial institutions in the world in American history whether they publish it or not. I know that that's happening. Right. So um, yeah, there's, there's, there's something that's changing fundamentally at the core uh, when it comes to how we view and assess value, how we transact it, transfer it, and access it. And that's part of that democratization, but it's coming to, you know, I see the space industry doesn't realize that it is not exempt mm-hmm. from this coming to them. Um, just as the music industry thought it was. In the beginning, it <laughs> had an arrogance to it. Later, it tried to fight it, and then it either got eaten up by it or had to adapt. And that's going to happen to a certain level in the space economy and industry as well.
0: What's the difference, Grant, between the upstream and the downstream segments of the space economy?
1: Uh simple form upstream is rockets, things that are going up into space, right? Mm -hmm. And that for the most part, at the end of the day, generate the downstream or what we call the digital space assets, which would be the satellite data, uh, the imagery, um, you know, earth observation, etc.
0: Give me some of the applications that you see for blockchain technology for space commerce.
1: Yeah, there's there's a bunch of people applying different ways, and and you've seen potentially uh, some contracts even go out from the government uh, to entities uh, focused on some sort of blockchain elements, whether it be through security, communication, etc. I saw one the other day. I think it's called Simba Chain. So free marketing to Simba Chain. There you go. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll tell you how how we're looking at it. Right. So we're a marketplace uh, at the end of the day, but the space industry and economy is sort of unique. You, ha- you do have security elements. This is data that, that you access. Uh, you know, you need to have a certain rights management element of it, uh, especially when it comes to licensing, et cetera. Right. And right. these are all very kind of fragmented, segmented processes within the industry right now. Um, especially if you're talking to the younger, more nimble, startup-y type players, Mm -hmm. it's a big issue and headache for them from both ends because a lot of times they're acquiring acquiring these digital space assets from these big, bigger entities, Mm -hmm. right? And then they also have to sell them on down the line, right? So these processes are, are extremely complex. What we're doing at the end of the day is we're allowing entities from a digital rights management end to come on, right to register ownership of their assets so some set of imagery etc that gets tokenized actually and tied to their identity and based off that root asset they're able to either generate offers to place on the marketplace so they would say i am selling this uh, access to this data set as a license a one-year license for one thousand dollars right? You place that on the marketplace. Mm-hmm. What that's doing, it's actually creating another, it's creating a non-fungible token and what's called a smart contract. Think of it as like automated smart escrow, Okay. right? So then another entity comes on a buyer end and he sees on the marketplace, ooh, they got this. Let's say they they like it right away. Price is cool. They see the details. Okay, great. They purchase it. What happens then? Funds hit that escrow, that smart contract. It unlocks funds go to the entity and that token of ownership and the license transfers to that entity that just purchased it. Now they have immutable validated ownership and license to Mm -hmm. access this stuff. Right. And this is all fully auditable. It's all visible through the blockchain. Right. And what they can then do and what we're working on right now is take that token. And with that, they have unique access, ownership, credentials, logins, et cetera, access what usually now is in the industry, like an AWS data set Mm -hmm. uh, somewhere and access that directly uh, through the platform. Right. So we're taking lots of processes that were segmented, thrown Mm -hmm. all around, take a lot of time and putting in one secure, fully auditable, easy to scale uh, commercial sort of e-commerce system right but let's say you don't want to put it on offer on the marketplace or let's say that they want to negotiate we're building certain negotiation or private offer capabilities say hey how about this and they say okay and they switch it up give you a private offer they don't have to put it on the marketplace and you execute like that but a big thing we're working on uh, for our our product launch itself because right now we're post mvp stage um is the capability for data on demand or request. Okay. So a lot of that is, you know, more request based of, hey, I need this, right? So Mm -hmm. we're going to flip that pretty much to kind of simplify it. So request goes into the network, someone fulfills it, executes it, moves it along, right? So we're looking at capability, not only really making it much more effective and efficient and scaling up, you know, potential commercialization, but we're allowing also for what, at the end of the day, is probably millions of companies or entities around the world to have a much more easy place to uh, discover, engage, acquire, and access digital space assets.
0: Look down the road ten years, Grant, and tell me how you see Copernicus Space and the space commerce market. What what's in your crystal ball?
1: Oh, I see. Well. Downstream space markets around valued at a little over $200 billion already. Mm-hmm. I actually think it's real value already sits at around a trillion. It's just about providing the transactional capability to acquire and access in, a, in an easy way. right? Um, there's, of course, an educational and selling curve around that. But on a 10-year span, I see the majority of, of inter-industry Transactions happening within systems and marketplaces like ours, Mm -hmm. as well as it absolutely unlocking that 200 billion to 1 trillion reality, which is um, not just from the industry sense, but unlocking it further out into these other players that want it, could benefit from it, don't have easy access in a way to acquire it. Um, so I see that as one element, um, the other element, which long-term, some people are even more excited about when it comes to our project, um, which, uh, is, is great to hear in in certain ways is the smart fund Mm -hmm. element. And, uh, to where, you know, what we saw with the ICO thing was, you know you have a kid a kid you know i'm saying a young person in mm-hmm. in india for example who is extremely passionate about space and this can go in two ways actually is extremely passionate about space has some spare you know has some spare change or or something or he's putting it away every month mm-hmm. and you know instead of whatever traditional way you would spend or invest that money nowadays Um, has the capability to potentially own something uh, that has great potential return or has great emotional value, whatever it may be to him Mm -hmm. that is related to the space industry or economy, and have these companies that are creating these great things, you know, be able to benefit from that as well. You know, the space industry does have a certain issue around with the, you know, I talk to multiple startups almost a day at this point in the space. And because that's what we're focused on onboarding, really, at the end Mm -hmm. of the day. Um, And there's a big, you know, struggle around, Okay, how do we really commercialize in the market? How do we really attract investors and all these sort of things? right so to provide a a certain way that kind of cuts that down just like we did see in the ico boom in 2017 and 18 mm-hmm. um, to provide them a space in real estate and the capability to uh, find people around the world that find what they're doing interesting and passionate and want to help uh, support it whether it's for their own personal benefit in return or whether it's like i said an, an emotional charitable virtuous thing they want to do which is that's another thing we want to uh, capitalize on is this uh you know we we really want to change the the charity and giving industry and Mm -hmm. and really show how much and what people are doing right because lots of people like to flaunt what they do but we like to kind of gamify it a little bit and 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 show for what it is but either way um we see we see Ten years is when, you know, we're already thinking about some of these, you know, uh, asteroid uh, metals being tokenized Mm -hmm. and uh, sold across Copernic space on the marketplace. Um, You know, we see the potential for things to move that fast. So I think it's going to be a totally different industry, a totally different field is going to look totally differently.
0: But it sounds to me like if I, if I bring it down to a very pedestrian level, it's somewhere but across between um, some kind of crowdfunding and, a, and almost an E-Trade or Robin Hood kind of situation where people can get involved in, and invest in space companies.
1: Yes, except uh, we're non-custodial. We're mm-hmm. not selling your data. Uh, We just get a percentage of the transaction that's tied to each smart contract. We make this as peer to peer as possible. So really, we're trying to also push it into this age that's a lot more transparent, trusted and efficient in our mind, but also puts us in, um, I don't want to say a more moral position, um, but in a position where we're letting the economy flourish and act Uh, as it would naturally, as opposed to what actually I think is happening a lot today, which, um, you know, that's a whole nother discussion around how I see the space economy being choked a little bit right now.
0: Grant, it's been a fascinating discussion. Thank you very much for appearing on the the XTERRA podcast with us today. Thank you. We've been talking with Grant Blaisdell, co-founder of the blockchain analytics and AML company CoinFirm and Copernic Space, the marketplace for digital space assets. And that's going to do it for this edition of the XTERRA podcast. Find us on the web at XTERRAJSC.com. And be sure to connect with us on LinkedIn and follow us on Twitter at XTERRAJSC. Until next time, I'm Tom Patton. Thanks for listening.